Hey, what's up, everybody? I'm Scott. I'm Shantae, and we're the Hazes. Welcome to the Love Haze Podcast, where we believe that healing and wholeness are not destinations. That's right. We believe they're a journey, and here on the Love Haze, we talk about how we navigate through them. Today, we're going to be talking about what happens when you choose to be guarded rather than vulnerable. Yeah. Um, thanks for joining us on our Black Love journey. Let's get into it. Let go. Let go. So today's conversation is a reflection on something we heard together and put a ring on it, which is one of our Black Love shows that we absolutely love. Watch. One of many. Yeah, religiously. Uh, if you want a list of our Black Love shows, holler at us. <laughs> we'll give them to you. But um, put a ring on it, just finished. And Dr. Nicole LaBeach, who happens to be a Spelman sis, shout out to Spelman, um, is the therapist on the show. And if you've never seen the show, it is, you know, three couples get together, agree to uh, date other people for mm-hmm. X period of time. And at the end of that experience, they decide essentially if they want to put a ring on it and get married uh, or go their separate ways. Yes. Just wrapped up their second season. And in one of the sessions they had, so they go on these dates, they come back together, they reflect. Dr. Nicole also does individual sessions, Mm -hmm. really just kind of helps people call out the things that are holding them back and um, helps them usher either, you know, forward in their relationships or forward not together. In one of the sessions, she says, sometimes when you stay ready, you stay defensive. And she said, when you're guarded, Yes, you keep the bad out, but you also keep the good from coming in. And I was like, ooh, that was a really mm-hmm. powerful way of saying that. That thought just really resonated with us. So we thought we'd spend some time today just reflecting on that, unpacking that a little bit. Again, not to teach anything, but just reflections based on how we've seen it show up in our own lives and maybe it'll resonate with someone else. So Absolutely. what does that thought idea mean to you? So there's a, of course, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah. But just the first part of um, if you stay ready, uh, sometimes you stay defensive. Yeah. I think that we have kind of like um, taken that on uh, in in our culture uh, and in this generation. Uh, a lot of us like to say, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. Yeah. All right. Uh, but, you know, in this context, I think it really means that um if i stay ready for whatever thing that hurt me in the past then you know i don't have to prepare for it to circle back around again i've automatically got my my guard up yeah. i'm already in defense mode yeah i'm already ready to fight off or fend off you know this thing that may be getting ready to happen to me and i think that as we go through things in life Right. Um, our goal a lot of times is to, especially when things have hurt us, our goal a lot of times is is not to experience that level of hurt yeah. again. And so we try to learn from the thing that we've been through, uh, which I think is a good thing. Uh, but we also try to be prepared to never experience that level of pain again. Um, I can remember being a kid and play fighting. You know, and one of the worst things when you play fighting with a brother or sister, somebody hits you when your guard is down and you don't have a chance to brace for it. And I can remember uh, play fighting with my cousins. We were outside playing kickball and somebody snuck me 
And I almost forgot that was my cousin, <laughs> right? Because I didn't have a chance to brace myself. And we were playing, but I, my eyes got bloodshot, and mm -hmm. I was ready to fight. Now, w right? on his chest is daddy's so. first initials W, and he keeps it on, on his chest about right here. So, you know, I think what we desire to do is to be able to brace for whatever is coming. So we try to get ready and be prepared and know the answer and know what's going to happen. So there is a level of us that wants to um, or a portion of us that that wants to kind of be ready for whatever may come. I just want a chance to to brace yeah. for whatever may be coming. And um, that's up, us putting up our defenses. So then we're not we're, we're keeping those things away from us, but we don't have a chance to like let the good things come in yeah. too. So we're keeping everything out. Right. And a lot of times we are operating with avoidance instead yeah. of being open to, you know, what may be for us. Uh, and it's because we don't want to experience hurt again and we may not know how to navigate those spaces. So when we stay ready uh, and, and stay in a defensive posture, we're always ready to fight. Mm -hmm. Right. So when I got when I put on my shoulder pads and I, or I got my dukes up, I'm ready for a fight. But you're also fighting off the things that may be good for you. So yeah. when I got my hands closed and I'm ready for a fight, then for a fight, then that means my hands aren't open to receive mm -hmm. what may be coming from mm -hmm. me. And so we can't have both of those things. Yeah. Right. So sometimes on the staying ready, mm -hmm. we, we do stay defensive. We do have our hands closed and ready for fight, ready for bad things to happen. But what about the good things that the universe may be sending our way that we're not opening ourselves up to? So what are your thoughts? I agree with what you said, basically, in terms of, you know, how our generation is all about stay ready, can get ready. Um, you don't have to get ready. And I guess for me, it is not always about having a posture of being ready to fight because that doesn't resonate with who I am as a person, but I do resonate. I understand fully what it means to mm -hmm. stay guarded in that for me, it would often show up and, and, and it might still sometimes, I think I've just gotten better with being intentional about vulnerability, but just not only allowing certain people to see certain parts of me mm -hmm. and everyone else getting this, um, unfazed chiller version of of me i guess or or parts of me um i can give you an example so in grad school and we had these choreography courses throughout obviously a choreography program and we would have these prompts that we have to choreograph pieces to about every single week one of the prompts um we were choreographing and I chose to reveal a part of myself that I had not. And I really want, I made a conscious choice to do that because I was wanting to like process through that experience a little bit more. And in the piece, you know, as I was performing it, cause we could have either had dancers every week that we had to choreograph or we could just choreograph the piece on ourselves. And I remember um, presenting it on, we, however many of us, maybe 10 of us uh, in this auditorium and I get on stage and music plays and I start to move through the piece and a tear falls from my face. And then, so after you perform the piece, you sit and you know the professor will give you thoughts, mm -hmm. Every, your peers can weigh in on it. And one of my peers was like, that's the first time I've ever really seen you be 
vulnerable before. And it really struck a chord with me because I it just didn't dawn on me that maybe I was keeping parts of myself right. from others. So essentially I'm keeping people from getting to know me on a richer, deeper level. So I guess I, it kind of resonated with me, this, this idea is that I'm not ready to fight all the time, but I'm just not allowing maybe the softer, more, you know, especially when I'm crying, I just, I'm not a public crier. I prefer mm -hmm. to cry in private. So the fact that somebody saw a tear come down my face doesn't mean that I cried. My mom even said it recently. She's like, you never cried as a kid. And I'm thinking, well, I was crying all the time, it felt like, but it didn't realize <laughs> I was just doing it just with me in the yeah, shower probably. or, you know, mm -hmm. so I guess those are some of the things that it comes up for me. It's not necessarily that I'm that I'm always ready to fight or, you know, it's just that there are just, the world is not seeing, I guess, all the parts that they could see, which doesn't have to be a bad thing all the time. But I think in some cases it's just like, why hide those parts? Uh, I, I think that we, we hide those parts because, you know, for the most part, um, we want safe spaces. Yeah. Right. And so I think what the world has taught us and our experiences have taught us um, is that, you know, in order for you to be vulnerable in spaces uh, anywhere, you want it to be safe for you to be vulnerable. Um, mm. And even and so, you know, my answer, I think, to, you know, the thought behind uh, what Dr. Nicole was saying in that moment is it's really about whatever your defense mechanism may be. Yeah. Whether yours is a fight. I, I think I'm just probably a little bit more of an aggressor and I think of fighting as mm -hmm. defense. I think that's a whole separate conversation about how men are socialized to, you know, believe that the response is automatically aggression. So those are some layers we have to pull back another episode, mm -hmm. but still it, it really is about whatever your defense is. Yeah. Right. And whatever is um, safety for you yeah. or wherever you withdraw to when things are not safe. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think some of it, is around like this idea of fight or flight, all those things, yeah. you know, but more than anything, we are trying to get to safety where I can be the real me and not be hurt when the real me comes out, you know? Yeah. So uh, I don't, at the end of the day, I, I don't want to be out here vulnerable at risk of being hurt or jabbed or any of those things because the world sees my guard down. Yeah. And I guess what I'm thinking right now is like, are those, and this is a question I don't have an answer to. Is it possible for you to show your, your full self to the world and that not come with some sort of harm, hurt, or potential for hurt? Because our true selves, we are, are who we are because we've gone through some amount of pain already. And so I'm just wondering, can those coexist? Can you be fully present in who you are without there being being some sort of pain or uh short answer no yeah i mean that that's what vulnerability is yeah, yeah. you know uh and i think that if if we live a life where that doesn't exist then we don't we we live a life that is void of like sheer joy um but yeah, on the honestly, flip side yeah. there's the there's um, extreme disappointment, right? And so when you are vulnerable, you're putting yourself out there and saying that this is who I am, 
right? And I'm open to being seen and either one of those things happening. Yeah, you're risking the things that you fear most happening, you know? So for me, as I think about like, why don't I let people see me cry or whatever, or put myself out there? I think part of it is for me, I was putting myself out there in art making in general. So that was already a lot of like fear of judgment is mm -hmm. like a big thing. So I was already doing it in so many other ways that I think maybe I was just keeping this part for myself. So judgment for me um, and also not wanting, I don't want to say it was pity, but I don't want people to feel like they have to take it on and solve the thing. Sometimes I just need to be able to like cry without it being like a show and mm -hmm. oh my gosh, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. Like sometimes like just let me get it out and then I'll be fine. So that's probably the other thing. So I'm saying all of that, like when you're vulnerable, you risk all of the things that you're afraid of happening and you have to like be comfortable in that discomfort, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. And I really think that that's what we're talking about, right? Um, most of us don't want to take the risk. Yeah. Right? We want the reward without having to take too much of a risk. Yeah. Um, you know, and our friendships and our relationships, and when we have to make career decisions, when we have to do any of these things, uh, and I think it, it, for the context of what Dr. Nicole was talking about, they're talking about their relationships, yeah. right? Um, and the whole premise behind the show of, you know, as you go through the episodes, what you are seeing is that the different layers of what they're talking about really comes down to, do I want to take this risk with this person? And what if it doesn't work out? Or what if this person sees this side of me and they don't like it and mm -hmm. they don't want to be here anymore? Mm -hmm. What if we just keep dating forever and never you know, and we can have the option to just kind of like not be married and all of those things. Right. And I, I read something um, last week. I cannot remember where I read it. And I think it kind of plays into like the way we are reserved in that way and the way that we are scared to take risk. Mm -hmm. And um, the person said divorces are expensive, but conversations are cheap. Oh, that's a word. So. There's so many times when we don't want to have the conversation. Everybody's grown till it's time to have a conversation. Right. We don't want to have a conversation because what if you see me, right? What if you see me and you don't like what you see? Like we've been getting along yeah. in this space and dating and doing all of these things, but I've been able to hide like this vulnerable part of me from you, mm -hmm. right? And you like me so much and I like you so much, but what if you see my shit yeah. and you don't like it, Yeah. right? How long can I hide this from you? Right. And that's the very risky part. But if we're being honest, that's really what love and relationship and partnership is really supposed to be about. Like having a safe space where I can share those parts of me, you know, with with a person um, where we can have those conversations. Yeah. We can talk about what it looks like and I can feel supported and you can feel supported to not only share those things, but um, the really scary part is after I share those things, then we have mm -hmm. to work on them. Yeah. Right. We have to talk about solutions. Yeah. And if I'm staying defensive, I don't really have to do that. Yeah. It's really kind of 
that what we were talking about with the Thompsons recently when they were on, do you want to be right or do you want to be in relationship? Mm-hmm. And like what that that looks like. And it requires some vulnerability to say, A, either one, you hurt my feelings. To say like you hurt mm-hmm. my feelings mm-hmm. or this hurt my feelings when this thing happened requires some vulnerability. Or to even on the reverse flip side of that, say, I apologize if like both of those put us in a space where uh, you can't be guarded, I think, to have those conversations and to be mm-hmm. to be real. Um, can you recall, I know you already mentioned some about a kid, but can you recall any adult life experiences where either you chose to be guarded and if so, why? Or maybe you chose to be vulnerable and it paid off for you. Mm, I don't know. Why don't you answer this first? Me? Mm. Uh, well, the one, the choreography question or experience is definitely a moment where I chose to be vulnerable and it paid off. But I, after reading um, Brene Brown's, like, uh, daring greatly, the whole idea about just being in the arena and the amount of courage it takes to be vulnerable. I have intentionally been more vulnerable in spaces or speaking up, or if I feel a way, just kind of saying the thing. Um, I did have an experience with uh, someone, and I was sharing with them how I felt, and this was a friend, and was very honest with how I felt and put it down in written form because that was a way that that person received information well and it seemed to have value in the the past. And it was a way for me to say everything I needed to say without, um, and just kind of like process what I wanted to say and Mm -hmm. like say it all. And also make sure that my tone was okay and that it wasn't angry. And so I was able to be vulnerable and say, these things like hurt you. And we had spoken about a number of them Mm -hmm. in person already. So putting Mm -hmm. them down on paper wasn't the first time that they had heard it, but putting it down and saying, hey, these things hurt my feelings. And I I don't think you intended them, but, you know, this is actually what it was. And I would really like instead if we did this other thing. It didn't, (laughs) I don't know if it paid off for me really well, like, I didn't get a response. I didn't get any engagement from it, which really hurt my my feelings even more. But I am proud that I got it out instead of, because mm-hmm. if I had not, and then just chosen to just hold on to that, I would have resented that person and right. it, I could have blown up at some other time. Right. And so it didn't really quite turn out the way that I had hoped, but at least I was able to say it. And I I feel like I have a good conscience for how I delivered it. So mm-hmm. I guess that's an example of like choosing to be vulnerable and it might not turn out, you know, the way that you hoped. But I mean, I believe all things work together for your good. So absolutely, it is what it is at this point. But I'm glad I chose honesty and vulnerability in that situation versus being guarded and just holding on to something that I really wanted to say. Uh, for me. A whole bunch of times, <laughs> but I think the time that was the most impactful for me was like deciding um, so many times, like not to have conversations with my dad that I really mm. wanted to have with him mm-hmm. in the name of just like maintaining the relationship. Yeah. And as time went on, I would just continue to resent him not doing better and being better. Mm hmm. And um, 
then there was a time when I just decided, like, I'm going to say what I need to say. Yeah. And balls to the wall. And, you know, he raised a man. I'm about to be a man talking to a man. Mm-hmm. And he shut it down. He mm-hmm. basically told me, like, pay for them degrees that you have. I don't want to have this conversation. And I remember him saying to me, um, I'm, I'm just as old over you now as I was the day that you were born. So basically, like, pulling, pulling, you know, rank and saying that, um, you know, because of my age, you don't get to have these conversations with me. And me being proud of myself for just saying, no, um, I love you. Mm-hmm. And this is a relationship. And I need for you to honor these things because this is the way that that I need to be loved. And um, in both of our stubbornness, mm. uh, you mentioned this W that's on my chest, right? But I got it honestly from my dad. So my dad was very, very stubborn. Um, and so am I. He raised a, a, a stubborn man as well. And grow, you know how older generation don't want to talk about their stuff, honey. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you're trying to get any of that out of him. And so I decided that we would just have a battle, battle of the bullheaded Negroes. And so we went for about three months without speaking. Mm-hmm. And so I can't say that it paid off yeah. um, because now that my father is not here, I think about that time mm-hmm. where I would call my parents home and asked to speak to my mom, you know, and not talk to him Mm. because he chose this other thing rather than having the conversation. Um, So I don't know if it paid off. I think in the end it paid off because I can remember being in the hospital room with my dad and like when he was like towards the end Mm -hmm. and having conversations with him where he wasn't having conversation with my mom. He wasn't having conversation Mm. with my sisters and they were saying he won't talk to anybody except you. Mm. And, um, so I have to balance those things about whether or not they paid off. So some of those conversations, and I have one still on my phone where, you know, he was just talking about like, um, the voicemail, the voicemail that Mm. no, no, no. Well, one is a voicemail, but one is like, uh, interaction that I filmed in the hospital between he and I, where he was like very lucid, very much like I was walking because of, you know, this other thing when people thought that, you know, he had just kind of withdrawn from reality, but he was like very lucid in telling me like he was walking because of, and he had this fear of, and these other things that he had not shared with my mom or my sisters. And they're like, I don't understand why he's able to like talk in complete sentences with you and that type of thing. And the story that I'm telling myself is that I lay the groundwork for him to yeah. be able to have some of those conversations with me. Yeah. And right, it, it prepared, you know, it it made the ground fertile for him to be able to talk about things that, you know, he had not talked with anyone about. And I think that um, in those moments, I think he viewed me as a man, yeah. you know, and as his son and someone that he could you know, have it was a safe space. Exactly. For him. I trusted that space. And that's beautiful. As you're saying all of this, what I'm reflecting on or sensing is like, well, well, of course, vulnerability, being vulnerable is for us. But if it doesn't go the way that we thought, how do we still reap the benefit of it? Like, what's the point, I guess, is what I'm trying to get at. 
And maybe it just establishes, it's like a choice towards being the person you want to actually be. Mm-hmm. Maybe, I think for me, that's was the case. Like, even though it didn't go that way, I now know that I am a person that expects this from friendships and sets boundaries and says what's on my mind and nice. is not not in attempts to discard you, but to say, hey, this doesn't work for me and I would like for it to be this way instead. And I think that's what I'm hearing from your situation. He didn't respond the way that you hoped he would mm-hmm. initially, but at least you set a boundary for like, this is what I need. And to your point, maybe that was enough in terms of how he, um, his perspective of you or his respect for you, you know, mm-hmm. in some way. So, so for me, it is releasing myself from right. Mm-hmm. Um, and you mentioned earlier, earlier, right? Like, do I want to be right or do I want to be in a relationship? Yeah. And I think releasing myself from this need to be right is understanding that no matter what, if I have the conversation, it doesn't have to be that I'm right or wrong. If I have the conversation, we're having the conversation because it's a safe space for us to have the conversation. And I can tell you why I think that my perspective is the correct one. Mm -hmm. And you can tell me why your conversation, I mean, why your perspective you feel is the right one. Mm -hmm. We are not trying to get to who's right. I release myself from right. What I'm saying to you by having the conversation is saying that no matter what I want to be in relationship, right? So it doesn't have to be that we're having this conversation so you can finally see that I'm right. Yeah. Right. It's so that we can find a middle ground so that we can remain in relationship. Yeah. How can we operate in this space together? So did it work out? Yeah. Then to me, we have to circle back around to being able to find what the lesson was. Right. So even when we buried my dad and um, at his funeral, it gave me an opportunity when I had to write down my thoughts about our relationship to be able to zoom out Mm -hmm. and say that I was doing all this fighting with my dad because um He's my hero. Like, you know, and I wanted him to just like we want our favorite team to win. I wanted him to win. Mm -hmm. And in my eyes, the way that he could win in our relationship was to be able to hear me. Yeah. Right. And hear my heart and know that I don't want anything bad for you. I want us to be able to talk. And if I don't feel safe here, then I'm not going to talk to you. So that was what I was trying to get him to hear. He couldn't hear that in that moment. But ultimately, I think somewhere down the line, there was a space there for him to be able to say some things that he needed to say to me. And when I took me out of the situation, right, when I took my need to be right out of the situation, it was preparing us for those moments where we could have a space for him to be able to talk and me to let go of right and be able to receive what that space needed to be for him. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it gives me a whole different perspective on dealing with my relationships moving forward. So it gives me an opportunity to be able to think sometimes like, let me take me out of this for a second. Like what if this situation, this thing is preparing this relationship for where it needs to be in the future Mm -hmm. or for when this person really needs me, do I need to be able to teach them something? Cause that's who my dad was like, well, you try to tell him something about him. He's going to try to teach you a lesson mm-hmm. out of all of it. But ultimately, I think that 
you know, my higher power. I think that God was trying to prepare a space for those moments and for him to have that space that he needed in order to be able to transition. And being able to hold my father's hand when he was actively dying and be able to say, hey, it's okay to go. Mm. You know, and for me to believe that he heard that message when my dad ain't listened to nobody, <laughs> you know he what I'm saying? Yeah. I believe that he heard me because in those moments when I just wanted to be right, it was establishing, you know, a uh, uh, safe space for a relationship. Because oftentimes they say that when people are getting ready to transition and are still fighting, they want those conversations from their family. They're, they're not transitioning because they don't feel like they can leave. And I, was, I feel like I was able to have those conversations with my dad and be like, okay, it's okay to go. Yeah. Like I got it. And imagine if you had stayed guarded in, in any of those situations mm -hmm. before you could have essentially robbed yourself of those moments mm -hmm. later in his life, which just are beautiful and are, you know, really just what life is about, you know, mm -hmm. being there for each other and, in whatever way, I guess that looks right. like. So that's really beautiful. So what's the haze? And I know we've already talked about a number of difficulties <laughs> with being vulnerable and how, you know, it's just, you think you're saving yourself from some sort of hurt mm -hmm. or pain when you're being guarded, but you're really robbing yourself of, you know, what could be, but anything else that comes to mind is the haze and choosing vulnerability over, you know, being guarded. So many R's. I don't want to use all these R's, but for me, it's it's the releasing yourself from being right because that's a that's a um, something I have to actively do all the time. But instead of that, I I know that I'm able to replace that with like I don't want to live a life of regret. Yeah. And so often when we don't take the chance, when we're on guard, um, when we are when we are staying ready. Um, we have all of these regrets because what if I had of, right? What what would the, would the universe have conspired in those moments to give me exactly what I wanted to if I was able to let go of my reservations? Yeah. Um, to release myself from the desire to be right, to release myself from, um, you know, being on guard all the time, to um, unbar my hands, right, and be able to receive you know, what is rightfully mine to be able to walk into the promise, you know, all of those things. We, uh, our generation, I believe that um, damn near faithless. You know, we believe that uh, a lot of us believe that uh, we just go on information, whatever I can read in a book, that's the right answer. We super smart, you know, but we don't have a whole bunch of faith. Um, I don't know. I think a lot of folks are are these days more spiritual, more positive, more like not religious. I don't know. I don't know if people are faithless. I, I wouldn't. I would probably push back on that notion based on what I see from people these days. But it's it. I agree that it is different than previous mm -hmm. generations. What their faith walk look like. I think mm -hmm. ours just. Is different, you know. We live in different times, different circumstances. I think we're more we're more research based, right? And I think that faith a lot of times does not line up with research, um, especially as it relates to my spiritual relationship. Um, you know, the research may say this thing, 
But what I'm believing for is something that is supernatural and it's different. And yes, I want to be smart about it. Yes, I want to make good decisions. I want to make good moves. But ultimately, my faith walk is about understanding that it will be supernatural. And so are you saying, I guess, what are you saying about that note in terms of vulnerability and regret? Regret. I'm saying that it, it requires you to be vulnerable, having faith and knowing that um, even as it relates to to our relationship, I believe that um, like God sent me exactly what I needed and what I had been praying for. Mm-hmm. Right. But during the times when we were ghosting each other, those were times when I was thinking through and not wanting to revisit some old hurt. Mm-hmm. And thinking about like, what if I put myself out here and this girl out here playing, right? Those times when I wasn't calling you back or when I was, um, you know, getting mad at you for ghosting me. Those were times for you, though, when you were kind of drawn near, nearer to your spiritual relationship and depending on those that things. That was right? not the ghosting. The ghosting was, Some you of the always ghosts. get that uh, mixed up. But I ghosted you early on because I was afraid, so... And some of that's my stuff, right? So I know when I was ghosting you, it was a part of it was like my own faithlessness, mm. right? Not believing that you were who you said you were. Um, and I was on some stay ready. You know, I ain't finna be out oh, here liking this girl. And stuff. I ain't finna be out here being, um, you know, all into this girl and she playing around. She don't know what she want to do. We need a bebopping around here with the AKAs and shit. I don't have time for that. I went to spell with I'm an AKA. I don't care about I that. I wasn't stuff. saying any of that, first of all. It was so, the story I was telling myself. I said none of that. That's not even how I speak or who I it's am. The, but the most important story is the story that we're telling ourselves. Is it right? that? That's the one that we usually make decisions mm-hmm. off of. That, those are the ones that, that keep us from being vulnerable. Um, and can nobody beat me up about the decisions that I made? Like I can beat me up. Mm-hmm. And those are the things that we take into consideration when we get ready to make decisions. Like how has this panned out for you in the past? Mr. Lover man, <laughs> right? You've been out here all free willy nilly and being taken advantage of. So the story that Shut we, <laughs> the story that we tell ourselves, right. Are often precautionary tales, Mm -hmm. you know, of those things that we've been through in the past that have hurt us and and harmed us, whether it was ourselves that put us in the danger, right? Because ultimately that's who we hold accountable. Yeah. You know, it's like, don't put yourself back in that situation again to be hurt like that. But it's also don't, you're not putting yourself back in that situation to be blessed. Yeah. The way that you could be blessed. Yeah. And I'm trying to move us forward to the next thought is like, well, how do you navigate through that haze? And the thoughts that are coming to mind are a couple for me. Um, Yes, it is an uncomfortable and scary thing to do to be more vulnerable. But I guess some of the thoughts I would offer are one, just make the decision based on who you want to be. So like, Mm -hmm. and just do it scared. Meaning like, do you want to be the type of person that says what's on your heart regardless, you know, and, you know, just kind of puts it out there or um, opens up to new things. Or do you want to be the type of person that stays where you are, stays where safe, where it's comfortable, that holds on to resentments, that doesn't say the thing that needs to be said? Like, who do you want to be? 
and make your choice based on that and, and be okay with whatever happens from that choice. I would also say maybe ask yourself a couple questions like, yes, this thing is scary and I, it could, it could go left and not go well, or what could it look like if it goes incredibly right? And maybe let that idea thing. move you that's and make a choice off of that. I don't think there's any way around the haze. <laughs> I don't think there's any way around the scariness of that feeling, the fear of getting hurt or humiliated or not seen or not heard or not valued or whatever the thing is for you. There's no way around that. I think the only way is through it. And you just have to make the choice and trust that you have everything within you to make it through, that you will be okay, that all things are working together, whatever it is that you believe, like trust, trust you. Yeah. And then do the damn thing. So, and that's the thing for me, right? The, the thing that um, I try to live my life by is um, like, I trust, I trust me. Yeah. I trust the journey that I'm on. Um, I trust the wind to be the wind, right? Yeah. So it is it is not the blowing of the wind, it's the setting of the sail. Mm. Right. So the wind gonna do what the wind gonna do. The wind is gonna blow. Like, how am I gonna navigate against the wind that is gonna do what the wind does? Mm -hmm. Right? Am I gonna stay on the shore? Or am I gonna be out and be about my journey Hello. and find my way? Mm -hmm. Right. And the thing that I believe that um my past has done for me and those experiences have done for me, it has provided a level of experiential learning that I would not trade oh, for anything. Experiential learning? You better, you better look <laughs> it up. You better, better Google some stuff. <laughs> I just decided on using that word. But anyway, experiential learning for me is I've, I've done these things. Like yeah. I've been down this road before, right? So what I have gathered along the way in those experiences is tools, mm -hmm. right? I picked up some picked up some things along the way that I can use to help me navigate that space when I go back through it. Mm -hmm. So when the wind blows and it catches my sail and it blows me this way, right? If I know if the wind blows from the east, then I need to make this adjustment to my sail, right? If the wind blows from the from the west, I need to make this adjustment to my sail to to make sure that I'm going in the right direction, mm -hmm. right? So I've had some failures. And when I set myself the wrong way, that helped me understand I don't need to do that again. Right. It does not mean don't move. Mm -hmm. That's the thing that, that I have part. to settle on. That part. Yeah. It does not mean that I settle for the safety of the shore. Yeah. It means that there is something that I'm supposed to be doing. And if I keep failing in the same way that I failed before, then that's problematic and something else that I need to take a look at. But if I get out here and I explore, then God has given me exactly what I need for the journey. Yeah. I just have to know how to set my set, how to set myself. But not only that, to be able to make the adjustment in the middle of it. Yeah. Right. If I can make the adjustment, then I'll be OK. Yeah. So I might make a misstep or make a mistake and I may be a little off course, but navigating the journey which is what we're doing, mm -hmm. right? Is being able to make the adjustment and do something different. Hey man, that is a whole word, Mr. Lover Man. Just... <laughs> hey, what you not gonna do is hold that. <laughs> You're not gonna hold that. That is a I won't whole allow word. So um, 
we have any resources that you want to share? Um, Trusting yourself, I think, is just the biggest resource. Mm. I don't have any. What about you? Um, for me, I think this circles back around to uh, all things mental wealth. Yeah. Uh, and understanding that some of our, our stuck places are maybe like from our own traumas. Not maybe. Um, (laughs) Well, I think that that trauma itself, uh, one of the qualifying factors for trauma is having a place where you're stuck that you can't move forward from. Yeah. So therapy is definitely a resource. Um, If you're thinking of um, pages to follow and stuff like that as starting points, I think like Black Men Heal. Uh, on Instagram uh, is a good one. Therapy, therapy for Black girls. Therapy for Black girls. Dr. Nicole has asked Dr. Nicole. Mm-hmm. Spirit from Love Goals. Mm-hmm. Talk, Talk to, to Spirit. spirit. Mm-hmm. All of those um, IGs are uh, good starting points. Mm-hmm. I think they also have Facebook uh, pages that yeah. are. And for some of us, what we need right is a starting point uh, and an introduction to. Um, I follow all those folks just because they they post affirmations, they post yep. things that are that are good for me. Ooh, they um, recommend books. Alexandra L. Alex L. I think is her. Yes, her. Uh, I love her tag, and she has that. I think we've talked about it before. After the rain book, and her page is just full of affirmative affirmations, affirmative experiences, mm-hmm. how to move forward. A re- real gym for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those those um, follow some of those. We'll also add some of those into our resource list. Um, speaking of things that will be added to, I've gotten super excited about our um, playlist, <laughs> <laughs> our music for the moment. So um, I think I'm going to put it on you today. So mm-hmm. what's your music for the moment? What does this situation feel like? First thing I thought of was Anthony David. Let me in, which quite honestly, every time I hear, I think about us in the beginning too. Mm-hmm. Got the ADT on your heart. Yeah. yeah. Let me in. Let me in. All that. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't hit the run like he did. But yeah, definitely Anthony David, let me in. Can't wait to add that one to um to the lineup. That's a that's a good one. We gonna move forward, but I'm gonna tell y'all how. Oh, yeah. How play I was. <laughs> Had a playlist for Charlie going or whatever. Was adding to it. Used to send her songs and stuff. That was one of them. Let me in, cause she used to be like, <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> That's not real. I don't know if I'm ready well, that part is didn't know if I was ready for it. But on the way to, uh, I was headed to Dallas to work on uh, Hairspray, the musical at Dallas Theater Center. You were driving me to the airport. We going down East West Connector, and that mm-hmm. song comes on, and I it was just very, I think, fitting for that moment. But for all moments where you are um, fighting to stay guarded, but there is something better. For you if you would just open up so mm-hmm. whatever that whoever that that is saying to you let me in it could be a relationship could be an opportunity could be healing could be joy could be anything let could it in be, could be everything you ever asked for mm. and it could be an opportunity for another lesson that is a part of your uh, journey on the way to 
your what highest you asked good. for. Yep, your highest good. No losses, only lessons. That's right. There is no loss. There is only spiritual gain. Amen. Amen. Well, like we always say, <laughs> life uh, will always present you with a haze, but you have everything that you need within you to navigate through it. That's right. And you're not alone. You're not. So keep joining us. Keep tuning in. And we'll take the journey together. That's right. All right, y'all. Peace. Till the next time. Holla. Holla.